0: Welcome to the Fantastic Magic Center. I'm Kent Cummins, and I'm going to share the real secrets of magic. Fantastic Magic Camp is celebrating 30 years this year and has helped literally thousands of children and the grown ups who love them. But how did it start? Well, that's a story that I know very well. It started in 1993, which was the year that I turned 50. That's important. My birthday is January 6th, so I turned 50 very early in the year. I can remember that I was in the kitchen and the phone rang. And it was, if I recall, a yellow phone hanging on the wall. Uh, Yes, it was that long ago. 30 years ago, in fact, and it was a call from a magician who was uh, in town passing through on his way to somewhere else, I think, and he had found my name and my phone number in the yellow pages. For those of you that don't understand yellow phones on the wall, you probably also don't understand yellow pages. That was Google back then. Anyway, he called and said that he was in town he wanted to hang out. Basically, hey, let's get together, talk magic, do card tricks for each other. And I can remember that I just, that's not what I wanted to do that evening, that I wanted to stay with my family, which makes sense. My family is my first priority, despite the fact that I've been doing magic for so long and that it's such an important part of my life. I remember telling him, well, I'm busy But uh, why don't you call, and I think it was Bobby Cordell, but it was one of the local magicians, younger magicians, who I knew would love the opportunity to meet a new magician and hang out. And I hung up the phone. And as I hung up, I had this twinge of guilt because for all of my life as a magician, as a kid magician, as a teenage magician, as a young part-time magician, And finally, as a full-time professional magician, other magicians have always treated me with so much friendship and kindness and respect. I don't think I was much fun to be with when I was a teenage magician. Most teenagers have a little bit of something as they're trying to figure out what they're doing with their life. But nevertheless, people treated me with so much respect. Uh, My name was in the directory of magicians published back then in the 1950s. And I remember one time uh, there was a knock on the door. My mom answered the door and the man at the door said, "Uh, is your husband in? And she said, no, he's at work. And he said, oh, well, I really wanted to talk to him. I'm I'm a magician and I'm visiting. And mom said, well, my husband's not a magician, but my son is. And I was probably in middle school, bad news, Junior High School. And the guy says, oh, well, can I meet with him? And so he and I met, and he taught me things, uh, and he looked at my posters on the wall, and we just had a great visit. And that's one of so many situations where even though I didn't have the bona fides, I wasn't established really as a magician, the grown-up magicians treated me with such kindness and respect and here a magician called me, and I was making my living as a magician. I was driving the car of my dreams, which was a orange Volkswagen microbus, and I had two wonderful children, and I was married to my childhood sweetheart, Margot, who I had met in the seventh grade. Why in the world did I not have time for that traveling magician coming through? And that was still going on in my head probably in March I was having breakfast coffee with my good friend, Robert Crampton. Robert Crampton and I had met because both of our daughters were in the Naval Sea Cadets, but we had become friends. He ran the McGruff the Crime Dog program for the Austin Police Department. He was a civilian with the department. I was a magician, and so we had done programs together called McGruff and the Magician. (laughs) That might make a good podcast episode one of these days. point is, he and I were talking, how's things going? And I told him the story I just told you, that I was feeling bad because I hadn't done anything to reach out in friendship to a magician who had reached out to me, and that I was feeling bad because I should be i should be giving back. My life was so good, I should be giving back. But I didn't have a whole lot of money to endow anything, and I didn't have a lot of extra time to volunteer for a lot of stuff. And he said, well, Kent, You teach magic classes at the University of Texas, and you do this juggling workshop. You teach puppetry classes. You did that for the librarians that had the McGruff, the crime dog puppet. If you put all those together, that would be a summer camp. And I said, well, that's an interesting idea, as I had my sip of coffee. And Robert said, no, that's a business plan. And... (laughs) when Robert gets an idea, that idea often becomes reality. By June, we had the Magic Camp. Now, I was told by my desktop publisher, Lisa, that we should call it the Kent Cummins Magic Camp. And I said, no, the point to the Magic Camp is not to promote me. The point to the Magic Camp is to give back. When I was a kid, and I was really, really shy as a young six-year-old kid, having puppets really helped me because you could express yourself with a puppet while hiding behind the puppet stage. When I tried to be an athlete and it turns out I just didn't have those skills, when I learned to juggle, I could do stuff that many of the athletes couldn't do. And that made me feel more self-confident about my physical abilities. And then learning to do magic made me want to Get in front of people and do a trick and to express myself. So I was one of the, the few kids who enjoyed giving book reports and stuff like that. Magic juggling and puppets had really helped me when I was a child. And I thought a new generation of children might also be helped by magic juggling and puppets. And so we decided to start the camp. The first person I called was Peter Henricks, Peter the Adequate my good friend, who since then, we've done many, many projects together, but I said, hey, I've got this idea about doing a summer camp for kids, a day camp. What do you think? And he said, oh, that sounds great. So said, great. Well, would you help me with it? Sure. So I had that helper, and my mom was a puppeteer. Oh, there's an episode sometime, but mom was a puppeteer, and I called her and said, hey, mom, how would you like to teach puppets at a summer day camp this summer? And she said, sure, that sounds like fun. I was already a certified juggling instructor. We had all of that. And Peter said, well, but we need a, a counselor or, or somebody to manage the stuff. And our good friend Ramon Galindo had a uh, grandson, a uh, young teenager, but sharp and loved magic and really into magic. And so he called Jason, Jason Caballero, and asked him if he'd like to, to do that. So, we had the basics for a camp, and my wife Margot is a bookkeeper. She could help with keeping track of the money and the, the roll sheets and that sort of thing. We decided to do four one week sessions, Monday through Friday, uh, day camp for elementary school children, basically ages six to 12. We would have a magic class, a juggling class, and a puppet class every day. What are we going to do about food? Uh, we'll let them bring their lunch, but we'll provide some snacks. Where are we going to have it? I was doing the marketing for Westgate Mall. I was the wizard of Westgate, and there's an episode we've got to do. I'm sorry, I keep talking about... I've I've had such a fun and interesting life. It's fun to be able to share these things with uh, a new audience. I went to the manager at Westgate Mall, George Skaggs, and I said, George, we're going to start the summer camp for kids called Magic Camp. We need a place for the month of June for one-week sessions. And he said, okay, well, of course, you'll have to pay for utilities. And st-. and then he stopped. And he said, Kent, is this going to help children? And I said, I certainly hope so. And he says, okay, you can have the space for free. The mall picked up the costs. We were in an old bookstore, which I remembered from when it was a bookstore, because, of course, I love bookstores, always have. We set that up. We had some little canopies like they use in street festivals and stuff to set up the different areas and set up a stage in one end. We'd never done anything like this before, but we figured it out as we went. Peter is one of the most creative people on the planet. My wife is one of the most organized people on the planet. I'm pretty good at putting a team together. So we put a team together. It was Ridiculously successful. In the first place, each session filled up. I think we allowed up to 30 kids or something like that, and we got that quickly. Day camps weren't as popular 30 years ago as they are now. It wasn't as big a thing. And so we had not only a unique curriculum, but we also uh, were part of a growing trend of having these day camps for kids in the summer. Quite different from when you say camp, you think of an overnight and river rafting and archery and all of that sort of stuff. I had done work at the YMCA summer camp and at Boy Scout camps and so forth. It didn't seem to me we should be calling this a camp because it wasn't a camp in the traditional sense, it was a series of classes. But that's what these kinds of things were called. They were called day camps. And so we accepted that. All of the kids that came the first week, wanted to come back the second week, and all of the kids that came the first and second weeks wanted to come back the third week, and they wanted to come back the fourth week, and we hadn't anticipated that. We thought we had one curriculum that would be good, and each kid would come for five days, and then they'd go away and go to some (laughs) other camp, but they loved it so much, they wanted to keep going, so we had to expand the curriculum. That was challenging for us, but it was fun to do, Of course, with juggling, that meant that they could start expanding their juggling skills. And mom came up with new ideas for puppetry projects. And so it went really well. But we realized that one week was not enough for our unique curriculum. If you only had five days to learn magic, juggling, and puppets, most of which were new to most of the kids, you really needed more time. And so the Starting the second year, 1994, we made uh, two-week sessions. I think we probably had four of them, meaning that we were using up a couple months instead of just one month, but Westgate Mall still had a space for us. We were starting to learn how to do some marketing. Oh, yeah, marketing, one of my things. Our two-week camps were just as successful as the one-week camps. Kids still wanted to keep coming back. I remember a particular child... Who said, do I have to go visit my grandparents? I want to keep going to magic camp. And that was a little odd, but that was the sort of reaction. The kids just loved it. My only vision for the camp was that it would be a fun place for kids and that they would learn magic and juggling and puppets, which would help build their self-confidence. But we started getting calls from parents who had children with various special needs. The first one I specifically remember, the mom says, well, my son loves magic. Okay, and how old is he? And he was just the right age. So, well, great. He says, well, he's in a wheelchair. Okay. Well, he needs help toileting. Uh, okay. It didn't occur to us to say no. It didn't occur to us that maybe we weren't set up for that sort of thing. And so we did what we needed to do to accommodate that child and so many more. I remember in particular a child who was diagnosed as ADHD, very hyperactive, literally throwing himself off the walls. I mean, literally, he he actually would run across the room and bounce off the walls. He was impossible. He couldn't sit down. He couldn't learn anything. And we finally had to tell his mom, this just isn't working for him. And she says, okay, I'll come pick him up. And the last class he had was puppets. And we were making sock puppets, if I remember correctly. That's what mom was teaching. This was in the very first few sessions of camp. He made a sock puppet. And then each of the kids were invited to have their puppets introduce themselves. And the sock puppet was not hyperactive the sock puppet talked calmly and clearly and intelligently about how interesting his life was. And we realized, oh, all right, some of these things that we're teaching have an ability beyond what we realized. As I say, we weren't thinking of ourselves as a camp for kids with special needs. We were just a camp for kids, and we didn't know any better. We didn't care what the special need was. When Susan called me, uh, a couple of years later, and said, "My daughter loves magic. She wants to come to your camp." And I said, "Okay, that's great." You know, we love. You. she says, "Well, she uh, has Down syndrome." And I said, "Okay, what's that?" I literally did not even know what Down syndrome was. It had been called mongoloidism when I was a child, and I hadn't kept up with it. I wasn't. I didn't know. So I asked her, and and she says, "Well, can she still come to your camp?" And I said, "Well." I don't know. Is she evil or something? And thankfully, the mom took that as a joke instead of as an insult and said, no, she's the sweetest child you'll ever meet. And I said, why wouldn't we want her at our camp? And she said, she's been refused by, and she listed most of the mainstream camps in Austin at that time. And I said, by, by now I had learned. I said, well, they can't. they can't do that. The American with Disabilities Act... They can't refuse her just because she has a particular syndrome. And the mom said, I know, but why would I send her where she wasn't wanted? Well, we want her. She became one of our favorite campers and went into our counselor program. These are the kinds of experiences we had. We began to realize that we were not a camp for kids with special needs, but that we were a camp for all children. And the word for that is inclusion, and we began to learn what that really meant. And we were very proud of the fact that there wasn't any label a child could have that would keep them from succeeding at our camp. I remember a mom called me and said, well, my daughter has such bad special needs. There's no way she can ever succeed in a camp. But my friends keep telling me, no, no, you should try magic camp. So I'm calling, and I said, well, what is her syndrome? What, What are you talking about? She says, well, she has PDD-NOS. And I said, oh, pervasive developmental display, not otherwise specified. Sure. Can you tell me how that presents for her? And the mom melted on the phone because she realized that we understood. And by then we did. This obviously was after more than just a few years in the camp. And then someone from the Bubel Aiken Foundation called us and said, we hear that you do good things with inclusion. Can we come see your camp? And we said, yeah, sure. And they came and visited the camp and then said, can we give you money to help you with your program? And we said, yeah, yeah sure. We were not a nonprofit organization because I hadn't gone to the trouble to bother to try and become a nonprofit organization. We were just something fun to do in the summer. You see, I said I didn't have a lot of money, which is true. But of course, I was charging tuition for the kids, except if they couldn't come, then we'd give them a scholarship. (laughs) But, you know, we're, we're not losing money by letting a kid come without paying. That was my attitude. And I said I didn't have a lot of time. But what I was doing mostly to earn a living was corporate work. I was doing keynote speaking, corporate training, using the magic, of course, magic with a message, everything with everything I did. But I wasn't at that point, doing a lot of birthday party, kids' birthday parties or scout groups or that sort of thing, that isn't where my career was. My career at that point, in order to earn a living for my family, was doing a lot of corporate work. And the corporate work dries up in the summer because corporations can't have their big events and that and their training and that sort of thing in the summer because there are too many of their employees are on vacation. The summer was a perfect time for me to do this. It was just one of those things that Robert Crampton suggested back in 1993 that continued to work really, really well. My brother Carter came and visited the camp one year, and afterwards he said, your whole camp is run by children. And I said, hey. But of course he was right, because our camp was run by 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds middle school kids. Oh my gosh, if we had been smart, we would have known better than that. I mean, you can't trust anybody in middle school. Parents don't trust their kids when they're in middle school. Teachers certainly don't. How could we possibly have done that? And I think that's a story for another time. Next week, I will tell you about the Youth Leader Training Academy, which is the part of Magic Camp that I'm most proud of. Let me end this particular episode by explaining why the name. I called it Magic Camp because what else would you call it? What happened was that I got a call from a parent complaining that we did not have a good camp. And I said, well, tell me more about it. And it was at a time or a place that we didn't have a camp. And I said, well, that's not our camp. And I began to realize the YMCA, the Jewish Community Center, other organizations seeing our success were having their own magic camps. But they weren't using our methods and they weren't as good, frankly. And so we were getting complaints about magic camp. People just assumed magic camp was magic camp, which not unreasonable, but it was not true. And so reluctantly, I had Lisa. Put my name on top of the logo so it said the Kent Cummins Magic Camp. And that way it was very clear. It wasn't that I was using the camp to promote myself, it was that I wanted to be sure that our camp stood out from other camps. And of course, I wound up doing a lot more work with scout groups because I was always recruiting kids for the camp. I noticed that we had more boys than girls, quite a few more boys than girls, probably because. When you think magician, you tend to think of a man, not a woman. The woman is being sawed in half or or floated in the air or having swords pushed into her body or something like that. So the idea of magic didn't appeal to girls the same way. So I started going to Girl Scout meetings and the Girl Scout camp, giving demonstrations and recruiting young girls because there's no reason why they can't be magicians, jugglers, and puppeteers. As a result, we got a much better mix because of that. It started as Magic Camp because I wasn't trying to promote myself. Then we had to differentiate it. We had to create a brand. So I called it the Kent Cummins Magic Camp. And after 18 years, uh, you know, when your kids turn 18, you've got to let them go. After 18 years, I turned the camp over to people who were involved with the camp who wanted to keep it going so that I could retire from actually running the camp and, and devote my attention to some other things. And they bounced a check, and the check said Kent Cummins on it, because it's the Kent Cummins Magic Camp. And I said, hey, guys, you, you're going to have to take my name off it, because I'm not working there anymore. And so they thought about it, and they said, well, can we call it the Fantastic Magic Camp? And I said, well, sure. I said, well, you're the Fantastic Kent Cummins, and you're the one who started the camp, So we'll just call it Fantastic Magic Camp. And I said, if I had thought of that name, that's what I would have called it from the very first day. I think that's great. Therefore, if you look it up today, you will find Fantastic Magic Camp. But their website is just magiccamp.com. Because remember, we started this in 1993 when the consumer internet was still very new. My son, Kevin, happened to be into technology and computer technology in particular. So he set us up with magiccamp.com, the perfect URL for a summer magic camp. I'm very proud of magic camp and proud that after the 18 years that I ran it, it continues today celebrating its 30th year. And next time... I'll tell you about the Youth Leader Training Academy. I'm Kent Cummins. Join us next time for more tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. And if you'd like even more information, well, join us on our website, fantasticmagiccenter.com.